Okay, so let me let me share the screen with you and uh, tell me whether you you can see this okay. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Sure. You all you can see the yep. screen. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So let me press present. Okay. So this week's parasha is called Va'eschanan. And it's the second portion in Deuteronomy. And, or as we say, second parasha in Dvarim. Chapter 3, verse 23 to 7, chapter 7, verse 11. And as you can imagine... There's a lot that is in all these uh, Torah portions because Moshe Rabbeinu is basically giving his final talk to the Jewish people and he's exhorting them to keep the Torah because he knows he's going, is about to die and he's not going to bring them into Israel. He has a foreboding that they are not going to follow the Torah. And so he's, he's encouraging them. So uh, let's just look at a summary of the, of the Parsha. So he first pleads with God to enter the, the Israel. That's what the word means, means he prayed. He begged Hashem to let him in. And there's a lot to talk about. I was listening to a class yesterday. He, he didn't want to go in because he wanted to go touring and swim in the Dead Sea and, uh, you know, sit on the beach like some of us might do when we want to go to Israel. He wanted to go there because it is a holy land. It's like no other country in the world. It's the center of the spiritual universe. And he wanted to guide his people uh, to higher levels of Kedusha, of holiness. <clears throat> and <clears throat> he wanted to eat the fruits of, of Eretz Israel, of Israel, not because he, he wanted to eat, but because he wanted to make blessings on, on the fruits of, of Israel. But God turned him down. And the, all the commentators talk, talk a lot about that. That's not what... I'm going to talk about today, um, but in the parentheses you see over here, remember God always answers our prayers, sometimes with a yes and sometimes with a no, and sometimes with a not yet. So people will sometimes ask, you know, I prayed to God for this and he didn't answer me. So that must mean, you know, there's no God or God doesn't answer our prayers. And the right approach is he answers every single one of our prayers but just like any person that asks anybody for anything you're not always going to get what you ask for it might not be the best thing for you if your child asks you asks you for you know candy first thing in the morning and begs and and pleads you know you're not going to give it to them not because you don't want to you're not you don't feel that it's a heartfelt request or they don't deserve it, but it's not good for them to have candy first thing in the morning. Now, so we have to figure out why was it that it wasn't good for the Jewish people and it wasn't good for Moses that he shouldn't enter. Um, now, uh, he says, Moses commands the children of Israel not to add or subtract from the words of the Torah, keep all the commandments, 
reminds them that God is no shape or form. You should not make or worship idols of any kind. Um, then this is another very interesting topic to talk about. Uh, again, we're not going to talk about it this time. The cities of Bezer, Amort, and Golan are designated as cities of refuge east of the Jordan River. Accidental murderers. I don't know what that's called in <clears throat> American law. Involuntary manslaughter. Somebody's, let's say, chopping wood with an axe and the axe head flies off and hits someone and kills them. God forbid. That's called an accidental murderer. When that happens, until the trial takes place and proven innocent, uh, before any of his relatives or anyone else can, you know, attack him, he's allowed to escape to one of these cities of refuge, and then there's a trial that takes place. Also, a very, very interesting uh, topic to talk about. Uh, but here's, here's the part that we're going to focus on. In this week's Torah portion, Moses repeats the Ten Commandments. Uh, and then he expounds on the Shema, right? The famous Shema that every single Jew knows. Yeah. Um, is in this week's Torah portion. And it says we should love God with all our heart, with all our might, and all our soul. And then it says that you should wear tefillin and you should put on a mezuzah. Okay, so we're going to talk about these uh, in a moment. And then there's a commandment not to intermarry. Uh, I don't know if you knew there was a there was a commandment in the Torah not to intermarry. I didn't know that. Deuteronomy yeah. chapter 7, verse 3 and, and 4. So um, let me ask any questions up until this point. You, you, haven't, you, you have a, an idea of what the, the Torah portion is. Yes, Marty. Um, it stated that a mezuzah is on every door. Now, I know where we grew up, and we were kind of religious, it was only on the doors going outside and inside. Now, do you have mezuzahs on every door? That's a fantastic question. Fantastic question. The answer is that we put mezuzahs on all of our entrances in our, in our house, which means when you're going into a bedroom, <clears throat> when you're going into the living room, when you're going into the dining room, you put a mezuzah on. There's even a mezuzah on your garage. Oh, because okay. because technically you could stay, it's a, it is a living space. Now, you don't put a mezuzah on the entrance to a bathroom. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah, I you don't put it on an entrance to a bathroom. And uh, you don't, for example, put, in, put one on the entrance to a sukkah when you sleep in the sukkah, even though you, you eat and you sleep there. Um, but it is, it is a... A very important mitzvah, and at least you should have one on your front door. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. Uh, how, Marty? Do you have a mezuzah on your front door at yes. home? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I have one, but I thought it didn't have a kosher scroll, and it kind of got wet from the rain. So I I bought a new one and a, and a kosher scroll over the weekend, actually. Wow. Yeah. On Tishabov. I don't know if you're supposed to be buying things on Tishabov, but I did. I, you know, from home, I was fasting. So. Well, well done. You know, Debbie, that's, I don't know if you knew that it was in this week's Torah portion. So you, uh, it was yeah. good timing. I guess so. Thank you. Okay. So 
uh, we'll talk a little bit more about mezuzah in a moment. One, this is one of the things that we we offer our students because many of them they dorming down in Champagne and they don't have mezuzahs on their doors. So we offer to give them mezuzahs. There's actually a student who went to Wash U who uh, became Shoma Shabbos and I gave him seven mezuzahs. Now I got, I got the mezuzahs from, there's, a, there's a, an organization, the Chicago Mitzvah Campaign, uh, Rabbi Wolf over here, and he donated the mezuzahs to me and there are people that donate mezuzahs because it's, a, it's not that expensive. The real cost is the mezuzah itself, the scroll. Not, I mean, not the, not the case. The case doesn't have to be elaborate at all. Unfortunately, some people think that all you need to do is put a fancy you know, mezuzah case. It's nice to beautify a mitzvah and to put it in a beautiful case, but what's more important is to make sure that the scroll is kosher. And just like Debbie said, uh, she was concerned that the, co the scroll that she had in was not kosher. Now, this same Rabbi Wolf checks mezuzahs. <clears throat> how, how does it become uh, unkosher? Uh, that's another great question, Marty. So the same thing with tefillin, by the way. Look, a mezuzah is ink written on parchment. So if the parchment becomes... If the if the, if it if it dries out or if it cracks and one of the some of the ink falls apart, uh, okay. And un unfortunately, there are also some unscrupulous people who take advantage of uh, people who are not knowledgeable, uh, and uh, and they'll sell them mezuzah scrolls that are not kosher. You know, I I'm not going to you know judge anyone, and I'm not going to say you know where I've seen this this happen. But the important thing is, like Debbie did, is to go to a, a qualified registered place that sells reliable mezuzahs. You're not, you're not uh, doing any mitzvah by putting up a non-kosher mezuzah. And there are many stories, famous stories of things that happen to people, bad things that happen to people and they'd go to a rabbi and say, what can I do? And, and the rabbi would say, well, check your mezuzahs. And they check the mezuzahs and find out that they're not kosher. And then they fix them up and, you know, good things happen. Same thing with tefillin, by the way. Uh, there's no mitzvah to wear tefillin that are not kosher. Some people wear mezuzahs from their grandparents. And they think it's a big mitzvah to wear, you know, the same tefillin that your grandfather wore. But if they're 100 years old and they haven't been taken good care of, then it's better. Your grandfather would be much happier if you actually bought a kosher center tefillin. Marty, yeah, you want to? Yes. Yeah. This is Howard. Um, I actually had some tefillin that a friend of mine gave me because he wasn't ever using them. And he said maybe, and it was actually a second pair for me, so I have it in my office. But I went to a Chabad in Skokie, and the rabbi there said, I'll check, have it checked out. And he basically, I think cost me like a hundred dollars, whatever he gave me, whatever it cost him and cost me. And I felt more comfortable because, you know, I didn't think the rabbi at the Chabad was going to cheat me. Right. I, I, I do know people check them as this is quite regularly. Like when I say regularly, I would say, you know, twice, 
every seven years or so. Uh, mezuzahs typically, I mean, filling typically are not checked if they are very reliable. I did actually, there's a person who governs in our shawl, who's the main distributor to stores for mezuzahs and fill in the country, he tells me right now that there's a big, big shortage and prices are going up pretty much like everything that's going on in the world right now. So again, you should be very careful and make sure you get a reliable mezuzah, uh, reliable to fill in. Okay, so I'm going to share the screen again. Marty, you had a question. Yes. Uh, to Debbie, how did you know to check your mezuzah? And then... So you can just get the parchment and put it in the old, let's say if you have a hundred years to fill in, all you need is the parchment being uh, replaced. Is that correct? You don't have to replace Well, I don't for to fill in, I'm not sure, but I think that's well that's that was right. Rabbi's uh, question. Your question was how did you how did you know to look and check and see? Okay. Well, we we had to take the mezuzah down to get the the doorway uh, I don't know resanded and stained stuff. So I kind of looked in there and I I think it was a sample mezuzah scroll. Like it was definitely written on paper. And I thought you know this oh, is the Shema, but I don't think this is kosher. So I started looking online and yeah, they're like forty nine dollars. You know, very small. It's definitely you know they said it's sealed. I thought okay, I, I should just upgrade this whole thing because also the the casing was the paint had peeled off a little. It was just wooden. And so I realized I needed an outdoor mezuzah with a kosher scroll of the correct size. You can buy them separately, actually. And so I bought it. Okay. A set that I Good. Yeah. Yeah. So you can they do have that like separately for the tefillin. Is that correct, Rabbi? So what is your question, Marty? So if, if someone checks the scroll of a, the tefillin. Yes. And sees that it's not kosher, can you just replace the scroll? In the Absolutely. Okay. That's correct. Now, there's there's a lot more laws concerning the the housing, the cases of the tefillin. They have to be made also very carefully. So you want to make sure that you've got uh, the correct tefillin boxes as well. And uh, I actually I actually did a beautiful thing with my children. Uh, the, I took them to a a sofer who's a scribe and he actually showed us how tefillin are made and he actually inserted the scrolls into the tefillin themselves so he actually uh, at least our first two boys they saw their own tefillin being made oh, and it's cool. very 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 interesting i mean again you know this is the great thing i last week <clears throat> we spoke about the mitzvah of teaching torah and learning torah there is so much Torah to learn. We could spend, if we wanted to, we could spend a whole year just going through the laws of tefillin and mezuzah and all the different questions that come up uh, about mezuzahs and, and tefillin. And it's really, really fascinating. Uh, uh, what I want to share with you, and I've shared this with you now, you know, many times, and I, it's such a beautiful uh, uh, se series of of books called the Sefer HaChinuch, which talks about the mitzvahs and where they come in the Torah portion and, and what the, mean, the meaning behind a lot of the mitzvahs are. So I'm going to share with you, let me share my screen again. Uh, okay, so this is mitzvah number 423. So... 
we commanded to put up a mezuzah that co contains a section of the Shema on the doorposts of our homes. And the Sefer Achin writes, the basic reason given for this mitzvah is that we should think of God every time we enter our homes. Now, it's not just entering our homes, it's leaving our homes as well. Uh, and again, if you had to ask people, go, go on to a college campus or Maria, you, or any of, any of you, Howard, Debbie, next time you're just walking down the street and you see a Jew, you ask them, you know, let me just ask you a question. I, I, uh, uh, you've heard of a mezuzah. Do you know what is written on a mezuzah? What is actually written on the mezuzah? Some people might not know. Ten Commandments. So the answer is the Shema. Now, what's written in the tefillin box? There's four different parchments. The, now, we're not going to go through today, but it would be a good thing to know what's written in the tefillin. If you had to, I know for certain, if you had to go ask, a typical, and I'm talking about myself as well. When I was on college campus, somebody had to ask me what's in the tefillin box, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't have known. That's, that's a big part of what we do, at least. you know. And, and another thing is, I'll never forget this for as, you know, as long as I live. I... I once went, and I, again, I'm not going to, I don't want to speak Losh and Horace. I'm not going to say where it was, but a, a, quite an important Jewish organization. And they were having a competition, art competition for mezuzahs. You know, so you would expect some people would have these elaborate mezuzahs. And there were some very creative, beautiful ones. What was the winning entry? The winning entry was someone who wrote the Shema on the doorpost itself carved the words of the Shema on the, the two sides of the doorpost and the lintel above it. And they won the competition and got a standing ovation. Or maybe, I don't know if they got a standing ovation, but they, they, got, uh, they got a big round of applause. But that is a completely, totally, 100% non-kosher mezuzah. Yeah. It's not, yeah. There's, you're not, there's no, it should, it should have been booed off the stage. It should not have been accepted as an entry. Because it's true. It is true that it says in the Torah, you should write it on the doorposts of your house. But we have an oral tradition. We have a, uh, a tradition that the words that are in the Torah are not to be read exclusively. That it comes together with an oral tradition that tells us exactly what is written, how it's supposed to be written, what kind of ink it's supposed to be written with. What kind of parchment? And especially, you know, with tefillin. Otherwise, anybody could do anything. You know, it says uh, you should, you know, put them as frontlets between your eyes. Now, if you see anybody wearing tefillin, nobody puts them between their eyes. Why does nobody put them between their eyes? Because the oral tradition says that you put it on your forehead, on the top of your, on the top of your head. So... But the, the part that I want to just focus on, and I, I uh, um, I want to share a really beautiful idea, which I hope, you know, we'll all take away from this, is that we should think of God every time we enter our homes. Now, why should we think of God every time we enter our homes? So, um, uh One of the reasons is also, he says over here, 
he brings in the Talmud that you put the mezuzah in the area facing the public space that a person entering the house will be immediately met by a mitzvah. So the first thing you do when you walk inside your house is you, you see the mezuzah and you a lot of people kiss the mezuzah when they walk in their house. Um, yeah. Now, yes, yes, the idea I want to share, the ideas teach, these ideas teach that the mitzvah mezuzah must be a uh, teaches us that our home must be a place that is infused with God awareness as much as any other place, including places of prayer and study. We should not think, we should not think that um, you only have to be religious, quote unquote, when you ensure, when you're praying or when you're studying Torah, but when you're in your house, when you're in your office, when you're at a restaurant, when you're on vacation, you don't have to worry about being religious. Being religious is being, you know, in, in shul. The mezuzah teaches us, the mezuzah teaches us that it's just as important, if not more important, to focus on God's presence in your own home. When you're in your privacy of your own home, you know, when you go to synagogue, you can pretend you're very religious. You get there on time, you pray and you you know, going, chuckling up and down and, and, you know, everybody thinks you're a great, great person because you come to shul every week. But at home, you might be, you know, uh, shouting at your kids. You might be, uh, you know, cheating on your taxes. You might be, uh, you know, being nasty to people on, you know, uh, by speaking lotion horror about them inside your house around the table. The mezuzah teaches us that when you walk in the door, you should think that God is coming with you inside your house. In fact, there's a rabbi, Rabbi Shimshon Rafael Hirsch, who really fought against, you know, the reform movement in Germany and was very successful. He said something quite dramatic. He said that uh, he wishes that all the synagogues were closed for 100 years. And people were astounded. What do you mean should shut down all the shuls? So this was his exact point because uh, unfortunately, and again, I'm saying this about myself growing up this way. I went to synagogue all the time. I think I was a good person. I was raised in a very, very, uh, you know, a beautiful home, taught good values, you know, uh, and we had Shabbat dinner at home, you know, all the time. <clears throat> But I, don't, I wouldn't say that when I was on the rugby field or when I was in school or when I was doing on, when I was on vacation that I had a God awareness like I have right now or like my kids have. That every second of the day, when they, from the, day, the moment they wake up till they go to sleep, <clears throat> every single day of the year, they have a God awareness. And that's what the mezuzah is about. That's what Rabbi Hirsch was, was teaching us. So um, it happens to be that for the last 18 months or so, many of us have been in our homes and have not gone out so much. And we've had to bring that spirituality into our homes. So as we start opening up and going out a little bit more, we have to take this lesson to heart and try to remember it. Um, now, uh, I did want to, I wanted to play a video for you about, uh, uh, about this week's Torah portion uh, but before I do that, I just want to remind you, I just want to remind you that I'm not going to be here next week. I'm going to be in Ukraine 
And if there's anybody you want me to pray for or anything you want me to pray for you for, whether it's health or wealth or that we should all be safe, that the pandemic should go away, that, you know, uh, you should be able to do all the things you want to do, send me an email. I'm going to be going. You see in the background, I've got some pictures on my dining. This is uh, our dining room. This class I'm giving is from our dining room on our walls. We have pictures of great rabbis because these are people that inspired, you know, uh, many thousands, hundreds of thousands of people, you know, around the world. And we're going to be going to some of the grave sites of some of the holiest people that have ever lived, at least in the last couple of hundred years. So uh, it's a, it's an opportunity that I've offered. I sent out an email to my, uh, to my list, but if you want to send something, it'll be my, my pleasure. And then if, for example, your prayers get answered, you don't have to thank me and you don't have to thank the, the people who are buried at whose grave sites are going to be buried. Then you thank Hashem, you thank God and you kiss your mezuzah and you say, thank you, Hashem. And that's, uh, and if it doesn't get answered the way you want, that doesn't mean he's not answering you. He just might be answering no, or he might be answering not yet. So um, any last questions just before I play this video, and then I'm going to see you again in two weeks time. And I think we also made up that we were going to do it not on the Wednesday. We were going to do it, I think on the Friday. Marty, is that correct? That's correct, but not next week. Not next week, not next week. Cause I'm going to be in Ukraine and I don't know what the internet connection is like in Ukraine, but Marty and Debbie and Howard, I want you to find an hour next week to learn some Torah. Don't think that just because your teacher's not here, that means that you are a, it's like homework. You're off. You know, go on to h.com, go on to aura.edu, watch a video, watch, read an article, and even better, why don't you give a class yourself? Why don't you call Ooh. someone up, call Great someone idea. up and say, Call someone up and say, you know what? I learned so many interesting things. I've learned so many interesting things over the last couple of months. I want to share some of them with you. And maybe if you like it, you'll, you'll join me in my class uh, next week. All right. So I'm going to, I'm going to wish I you all well and play this video. Yes, Marty. Question, question. Yeah. When you put the mezuzah up. Yeah. Which doorpost? Oh, excellent. Apologies, I have to go to my first work meeting because for me it's 8 a.m. So thank All you right. so much. To you Take both care. Thank you, Debbie. Bye-bye. Right. Which doorpost? So you put it to the right of the doorpost that you are entering into. So if you're walking into your bedroom, you put it on the right-hand side. You're walking into the house, you put it in the right-hand side. Okay, so if I am going from my hallway in my condo to into my condo, it's on the right side. That's correct. That's correct. It's on your right hand side. And it's got to be it's got to be put up in a certain way. If you don't have a mezuzah and you want some more mezuzahs, Marty, I'll be happy to come. Well, you know, it's it's interesting. Um, a lot of a lot of times when people went to Israel, they would bring back yes. a mezuzah from right. Israel or maybe a talus or you know, you know, religious, but the mezuzah was the most brought gift to me. Well, that's well. Now, if you've got more of them and you don't have anything to do with them, we maybe we'll put them up on different parts. So maybe you put one in your office. Do you have one in your office? No, I don't. 
But you in a, you in a cubicle or you in a you I'm in, in a cubicle, but there's a main door to enter when I go into the cubicle. Okay, so may, do you know what we'll do, Marty? Sometime between now and the and Rosh Hashanah, or between now and the end of the year, we'll put up a mezuzah at your office. Okay. All right, so I'm going to play this video for you, and uh, and then I'm going to wish you a good Shabbos and and be safe, and I'll let you know. And obviously, I think next time I speak to you, I'm going to be giving you my uh, impressions of being in Ukraine. Okay, so I'm going to uh, play this. Let me play this, and then I'm going to tell me if you can see this. Okay. My mom always kissed. Rabbi, can you hear me at all? If you have a swollen prostate, you must see it. Top Doctor reveals an astonishing, natural way to reclaim prostate health in record time. Well, Did you know prostate problems have absolutely nothing to do Okay, wait, let me just finish.
did you did you see the screen or did you, did I not share the screen with you? You didn't share the screen. Oh no. Okay. So do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to send you a link. I'm going to put a link in the 